You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Thank you very much, all of you, for joining us for Inside Healthcare. And we're talking today about chronic kidney disease and the attempts to reduce disparities in care, especially in that area. So um, you all have conducted uh, quite a bit of research on this. And specifically here, we're here to talk about just one study. So we'll start with you, uh, Matt. Uh, Explain to us what this study looked into and what it hoped to accomplish. Sure, I appreciate the opportunity to chat about this study today, which was made possible by through CMS funding in collaboration with NCQA. So we had done work earlier in this contract to examine um, the degree to which chronic kidney disease is clinically clinically recognized via diagnosis in the fee-for-service population and found that it was very underdiagnosed and wondered if would find similar things in the Medicare Advantage population. Uh, We had also examined the degree to which there was concordance between the diagnosis and the lab values in the staging of CKD in the severity defined by stages. And so we also looked at that in Medicare Advantage population. CMS supported this work. Tell me why and why we suspect there was a difference or that the same problem was in two different places. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the Office of Minority Health, we part of our mission is to ensure that the voices and needs of our populations are heard. And one of our populations are people with end-stage renal disease. And so we're very grateful that NCQA and Duke have been doing this work with us. Um, the reason we developed this analysis is because we know that there's already disparities in um, in some of our most vulnerable populations. And we wanted to take a deeper dive on um, on some of the issues that we may be able to address with ESRD patients. So is the number of patients in Medicare Advantage with ESRD a significant, significant number? Or do you think it's unidentified at this point or? Well, as as Matt pointed out, part of the results from the study show that we haven't identified all the patients that have um, chronic kidney disease that can end up in ESRD. This is where CMS may potentially be able to um, address where testing can help. And it could be in terms of algorithm, it could be in terms of policy, but we're not sure yet. And this is something that still we're exploring with, the, we're exploring the data um, along with this, with NCQA and Duke. And we're not sure what we're gonna do about it, but that's part of the solution. Well, but it isn't it, Clarissa, just that. It is a building blocks process where you have to figure out sort of all the building blocks before you come up with points of attack or, processes to address a deficiency or, or folks who are not being identified, right? It's, you build these things step by step. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think the issue is that lots of the disparities that we see in kidney disease are thought to be multifactorial. And so the real question is, what are modifiable uh, factors associated with these disparities? What can we actually intervene on, not just what's, what's causing it? 
And so what Loida was alluding to is sort of these uh, disparities in rates of CKD progression, uh, death before reaching dialysis, death of cardiovascular disease that we see in ethnic and racial minorities who suffer from kidney disease. Um, we don't actually see the same thing once you actually reach dialysis, but you're much more likely to die or um, than to reach end-stage renal disease when you have the chronic kidney disease. So what CMS has asked us to do is look at some of the more upstream effects, potentially modifiable factors that we can intervene on systematically to prevent those downstream um, outcomes. One of those relates to the um, recognition of chronic kidney disease by providers who care for these high-risk patients. And that was the main focus of, of this study. So let's get into some of the key findings from this study. So we identified 170,576 Medicare Advantage enrollees who um, had clinically recognized, uh, sorry, lab identified chronic kidney disease. And in though, that large sample, we found that only 27% had CKD recognition. It increased uh, to 49% in those with stage three CKD. So that was a hopeful finding. Um, and among those who were more likely to have clinical recognition from diagnosis for those who were for CKD, who had visited nephrology, were non-Hispanic, Black, or had greater comorbidity burden. And then in a smaller sample of 35,850, who had both a lab value and a diagnosis with a specific CKD stage, we found that three quarters had the uh, same stage indicated by both labs and diagnoses. And so, so those are sort of the results. Give me a, um, a summary of what we can deduct from those. The finding that stays with me from the study is that about half the people with stage three kidney disease have a diagnosis code. At stage three of kidney disease, you've lost about half of kidney function. So half of the people at that stage aren't even aware they have it. For chronic kidney disease, there's no cure and you can't reverse the damage to the kidney. But if you are aware of it, you can minimize further damage. So what this, while this is a very sobering finding, it does point to a clear opportunity for improvement and a really important need to do so. So I think what we can deduce is that uh, recognition by diagnosis is uh, abysmally low in chronic kidney disease, that the majority of individuals who have evidence of kidney disease by labs, which is the gold standard by which to, to diagnose kidney disease, actually don't have any documentation of kidney disease in their medical records. Therefore, it's very hard to align um, uh, reimbursement related to care, even document individual implications for care, which is that providers are not just um, lacking the, the uh, coding for chronic kidney disease, but are really lacking the recognition of chronic kidney disease. Therefore, there's no uh, opportunity to implement early intervention strategies, which, which frankly is a hallmark to prevent kidney disease progression and or mortality, particularly among ethnic and racial minorities. And yet we still have not decided exactly all the things we need to do to catch these people, right? Matt? I'm Yes, I mean, I, CMS, um, I should say in the fee-for-service program, 
does not currently, even though Medicare is the largest payer of lab tests in the country, Medicare does not, we, they know what tests have been done and they pay for those tests, but they don't get the test results back. Mm-hmm. And uh, current, and but CMS does population surveillance of diagnosed conditions of many conditions, including CKD, but their current population surveillance assessment of CKD is based on diagnosis, not based on labs. And so their current reporting, which they do every year on CKD prevalence, broken down by race and by age and all sorts of, you know, by states and everything, is probably severely undercounting the prevalence we, since it's we, based on diagnosis, not on labs. Lyda, I, I, what I think is very interesting, what I should tell all of you is yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday, it might have been Wednesday, I interviewed a guy for our work uh, on person-driven outcomes. And this is, this is his exact issue. He was not a Medicare patient, I don't believe. He avoided going to the doctor. He knew he felt bad. African-American, probably at the time in his 40s, um, knew that he was sick but didn't want to go, was afraid. And then um, finally his wife forced him. But here's a guy who had serious, serious kidney disease and he didn't know it. And he spent the next two years on dialysis and then finally got a transplant. How, Clarissa, common is that? And how concerning is it when you hear stories like that? I would like to say that it's uncommon, but that would be a lie. It's fairly common. We see that quite a bit. Um, I I think it's sort of a two-pronged issue. One is a a person-centered issue where there are issues related to getting folks into kidney disease care. Part of that is related to the fact that kidney disease is asymptomatic. So there's not a real sign or symptom um, that patients identify and say, oh, something must be wrong. Often that gets diagnosed far too late when you become symptomatic. Usually you're at the late stage of kidney disease approaching the need for something like dialysis or a transplant. The, The second issue related to that are providers. So even if you do engage in care, we know that there are several, uh, uh, issues related to accurate screening, identification, and early management in kidney disease. And unfortunately, all of those things, both the person-centered aspect of it and the provider-centered aspect, are exacerbated in ethnic and racial minorities. Thus, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a setup for poor clinical outcomes. You know, the interesting thing, Matt, is that this gentleman said to me is that it was a clinician who made the difference for him, who sort of woke him up, spoke plainly to him. He had been going to dialysis, but he really hadn't been committing and he'd been missing it and that sort of thing. And finally, a nurse, a, I guess, infusion nurse, a a dialysis nurse said to him, you keep doing this, you're going to die and spoke very sternly and plainly and not soft with him. And he said that, and she said, now what are you going to do about it? And then began to involve him. And that started him on his own journey to improving uh, his role in advocating for his care. So we as healthcare professionals, 
And I know that, um, uh, many of us don't touch patients directly, but the ones who do, and even us, this work can make a difference. Correct, Lloyda? That's why the uh, why CMS supports this kind of research. Absolutely, and we're listening and we're um, open to ideas on how to address these issues. And anecdotally, we have heard these stories before. Um, so we're hoping that with data and with um, all this information that we're trying to figure out, um, we, will get, we will get better solutions for this problem. Matt, take it from a, a professional storyteller, everyone has a story. So anecdotal, doesn't always work, right? So that's why hard research and, and data makes a difference. So Matt, what do you think is the biggest data highlight in your work here to indicate the starkness of this issue? I mean, I think the fact that only a quarter of patients in Medicare Advantage with lab-recognized, lab-identified CKD had a diagnosis, and that even a smaller fraction of fee-for-service beneficiaries have clinical recognition of their CKD via diagnosis, suggests that at a population level, there's a need to better identify these patients in order to treat them, and there is a need to be able to get lab data in order to give providers the opportunity to act on that if, if that lab data isn't available to them in clinical practice. Um, I would say on a more meta level, the lab data is important for CMS to obtain for their own use since they're paying over $9 billion, I think it was a few years ago for lab tests for Medicare beneficiaries in order to gain insight into the care of the patients that Medicare insures. Also joining us is Karen Onstead, who I've sort of left in the background a little bit. I wanna ask you a question, Karen. What is our role in all of this? Our role in um, this particular effort was to, A, we work with both the Office of Minority Health and Duke to um, develop this work. But given that this particular data highlight was based on earlier research that was published, um, the goal really was to, since the findings confirm the earlier findings, we wanted to create a resource that was for a broader audience than say those that go and read journals. So um, we elected to do this in a data highlight. So that means taking kind of the research findings from Duke and translating them for a broader audience um, providing, you know, explanations, some, some additional context, and then really kind of pointing out some takeaways from the study itself, which I think we've hit upon here in this conversation. So next steps then, let's, let's all talk about where we think this should go. I think, I mean, next steps is very much what we've been discussing here. I mean, clearly there's a huge opportunity to improve um, recognition of chronic kidney disease. One, by combining claims and lab data, um, that helps you. Um, two is raise awareness of the issue. Um, I know that when I read other um, efforts or studies and they mention now that they have identified patients with CKD using claims data, 
uh, I interpret that with a grain of salt now, knowing this, knowing that, you know, at, it, it's undercounting those who really have the disease. So raising that awareness, um, hopefully to promote engagement and improvement. And so that we can identify people with CKD so that they can um, receive early diagnosis and treatment and be aware of their condition. Clarissa, next step for you guys. I echo what Karen said. I think one thing that one finding that we haven't yet mentioned uh, or, or discussed too much is the fact that of those who actually had a diagnosis code for kidney disease, there was a strong level of concordance between um, their lab-based stage or severity of their kidney disease and what was documented in the chart, which I would view as sort of a positive, meaning that when physicians do engage and appropriately recognize, they're doing so, um, uh, they're risk stratifying appropriately, which is what we need for early clinical intervention. And so um, aligned with Karen's words are that this same sort of message that if you document it, you actually promote early intervention because of the concordance that providers, when they intervene, they're actually doing it correctly. Um, I think that has to be part of the accompanying message as well. Matt, you want, you want to follow on that? Sure. Um, so this work gives a, really a snapshot at a point in time really about identification. And uh, in work that we've done subsequent to this uh, or in parallel, we're characterizing trajectories of CKD progression over a three-year period in this large, actually a larger group of patients to see if there are particular groups of patients whose kidney progression gets worse, especially fast. And we've done that in a large population across multiple levels of severity of CKD. And then most recently we've done an analysis, which I think is really novel, focusing on progression in those who enter the study at stage two and then go on and progress. And we find that there's a small fraction whose kidney function worsens incredibly fast and whose costs are much higher than all other patients who are uh, start in stage two. And that finding is really important because CMS has finite resources and providers, the nephrology workforce is fairly limited. And so that finding has potentially identified a subgroup that might be prioritized for early recognition and treatment if, if better identification is possible. Lloyd, I know many of us uh, from the outside look at, at CMS and go, ooh, the rule makers. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but you're also uh, working always to make things better, right? So it's not just, that's what the rules do. Um, so you're always working to improve. Um, there's a lot to be behold, it sounds like here, and a lot to consider. What might CMS do with this information? Well, for sure, like you said, Phil, it's the building block for the rest of our work. And we will continue looking into these issues. And like Matt said, um, there have been, there's more research in the work, in the works right now. Um, and hopefully we, we can have a better understanding so that we can pinpoint where we can um, address these issues better. Matt, you know, a lot of folks who will listen to this are not necessarily scientists, data scientists, even clinicians. Some of our folks are office managers that listen to our, you know, practice 
office managers, that kind of thing. So uh, when I look at the five or six key findings here on the list, sometimes I think when we list them and we use our researcher words, we kind of lose people. Um, so Matt, I want you to really talk in, if you can, in common English to your next door neighbor who happens to be a plumber <laughs> about why this is important. Uh, I'm wondering if I can uh, pass and let Clarissa answer that as the nephrologist. <laughs> I, I think she's gonna have better response to that than me. Clar Clarissa, I think he just called you a plumber. <laughs> that's okay, I'm married to a plumber. It's oh, that's people. good. <laughs> <laughs> What I would say is that uh, if you have seven people in a room, one of them probably has kidney disease. That's a tremendous number, right? And we are not doing a good job in the United States of changing those numbers. Certain groups are affected by kidney disease more than others, particularly those who come from Hispanic or Black backgrounds. Because of this, the goal in healthcare is to find ways to a, identify, find out if you have kidney disease, and B, give some early interventions. Try and promote therapies and behaviors that can um, improve what look to be not a good outlook if you have a diagnosis of kidney disease. But in order to do that, providers who see you in clinic need to be able to recognize that you have kidney disease. And one way of determining whether you have kidney disease is through labs. Labs are the, are the best way to identify if you have it. We do it with a blood test and a urine test. However, many providers either don't order those tests or they overlook the results of those tests, therefore resulting in no written, written actually, uh, uh, I wouldn't say documentation, the word is too big, but um, that you actually have trouble with your kidneys. And so therefore there's no opportunity really to give any of those treatments that may actually improve the long-term outcomes. So it's really important to understand why some individuals have in their medical record, a diagnosis of kidney disease that was put in there by a doctor and some do not, even though they may all have kidney diseases. And Lloyda, keeping with that, that simple theme, uh, you know, of simple simplification, really the idea here is to try and prevent folks from getting even worse. And frankly, we're talking about a little bit about cost, even worse cost here too for the government, correct? correct? When CKD, chronic kidney disease, of course, goes into end-stage renal. And so that becomes extremely costly. Um, while we have, like you said, we have a finite um, amount of resources. And so we would like to address it in the front end. Hopefully we can um, address the issues there so we don't get to end-stage renal disease. Because it's harder for the patient too. I mean, it's dialysis, this, that. And there's just so much that goes along with chronic, kid a chronic kidney disease that is left untreated. Um, and that's what we would like patient and for, for our finite resources. Tell us where we can get some resources on CKD and on this work and figure out what we're doing. For those who are interested in more information on this topic, you can go to the CMS Office of Minority Health website 
And under the research and data tab is where they have data highlights and this one in particular on chronic kidney disease. Um, exciting, Exci it must be exciting to see your work posted there, Matt. Well, I'm grateful that we've had the opportunity to do the work and that CMS um, had the vision to have us go on and do this MA work to complement what the fee-for-service exploration we've done previously. Clarissa, any final addition? I would just again emphasize that uh, this is one building block in the identification of reasons for disparities that we see in kidney disease. So we'll keep working on. Well, I will tell all of you, I have nothing to do with this, and yet I'm very proud of all of you. Uh, I think it's exciting work. Fantastic. Congratulations on the work, and we look forward to seeing what you all come up with and what you all solve next. Thank you for being on Inside Healthcare. Music